0: If you would open your Bibles to the Book of Acts, chapter twenty. Last week we looked at more detail in verses one through six, and then verses thirteen through um, through sixteen. And uh, this morning I want to look at verses seven through uh, through twelve. And so, please give attention to God's Word. I'll begin reading at Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight He he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed, and they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. Let's pray. Father, As we have this little window into the life and worship of the early church, I pray that um, as we read from the Gospel of John, that your Spirit would lead us into all truth and uh, help us to be shaped and molded according to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I learned just this week... That the creator of the Rocky and Bullwinkle uh, cartoons was a Barry Goldwater conservative. And that there was a political message uh, embedded into those cartoons. So I'll never think of Rocky and Bullwinkle in the same way again. And I mention that because I hope this morning to shape the way that you think about the practices of our church. Uh, I want to share with you this morning some of the things that stand behind the priorities for what we do on Sunday mornings. Uh, And to do this, we're going to take a glimpse back into the early church, uh, back into the practices of the early uh, Gentile church. We began to look last week at one of the practices, or really the priorities, of the early Gentile church. They were very committed uh, to benevolence. And so we saw how Paul was uh, traveling from... Uh, town to town, from country to country, even from continent to continent, um, gathering uh, these funds to take back to the impoverished and persecuted church in Jerusalem. Uh, This morning, we're going to look inside one of the worship services of uh, the early Gentile church. And even though some of the elements of the worship service are unique to their particular circumstances, like for instance the fact that they had a 12-hour-long worship service right through the middle of the night, um, there are other priorities that um, the Scripture tells us should be our priorities. The sub-theme of this morning's sermon is that the Word of God, the Bible, is our only rule for faith and practice. In other words, the Bible sets our priorities for how we worship and serve God. Our practices, our priorities that shape our church are not simply traditions that grew up out of church history. The Scriptures alone determine and shapes our church. Even our confession of faith and our book of church order, uh, those are simply human reflections on Holy Scripture and reflect what the Scripture teaches us. So the first thing we learn in verse 7, or the first thing we notice in verse 7, is that they met together on the first day of the week. Verse 7, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. The first day of the week, of course, is Sunday. It's just a mere coincidence that we find them meeting on Sunday. According to verse 6, Paul would have arrived on a Tuesday and he spent seven days and then he left on the following Monday. And we actually have a date that is most probably uh, the exact date that he was here teaching. It was it would be Tuesday, April 19th of A.D. 57. Um, actually, that would be the day that he arrived there in Troas. And we don't have a record of whether they met the previous days, whether they met On Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, or Saturday. But we do have a record that they met on the first day of the week. Um, And they held a worship service. How do I know that they held a worship service? Because they met together to break bread. In other words, they celebrated the Lord's Supper. That's the meaning there of breaking bread. Furthermore if it were not important that they met on the first day of the week, why does Luke choose to tell us this detail that it was on the first day of the week? And so I believe it is important. Here's my point that I'm driving at. The church did not decide that the first day of the week would be the day that they would meet uh, on their own. Uh, God moved... The day that we observe the Sabbath. Um, It was God's decision to move the Sabbath day from a Saturday to a Sunday. And so we worship on a Sunday morning in obedience to God, not simply out of tradition it may surprise you to learn that God actually set the foundation for this move from a Saturday uh, Sabbath to a Sunday Sabbath uh, way back in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 23, uh, God lists out the various festivals for Israel. And so in Leviticus 23, verses 15... um, and following, he, he tells us about the Feast of Weeks. And it was celebrated 50 days after the Passover Sabbath. In other words, as he says there in the passage, there were 49 Sabbaths. And then the day after the Sabbath, which would be the first day of the week, they were to... Um, They were to hold the the feast of weeks. So listen to um, Leviticus 23, verse 15 uh, through 21 or 15 and 16 and then then verse 21 you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering you shall count fifty days to the day after the Sabbath and you shall make a proclamation on the same day you shall hold a holy convocation in other words gather for worship you shall not do any ordinary work in other words treat this day as a Sabbath it is a statute forever in all all that your dwelling places throughout all your years, and this is the first day of the week. Way back in Leviticus chapter twenty-three, and need I remind you, this feast of Tabernacle—I mean, this feast of Weeks—was also called Pentecost. What day was the birthday of the church? It was Pentecost, and so the church had its first worship service, if you will, when Peter preached to the masses on the day of Pentecost on a Sunday. And what was the church doing even at that day? Um, before Penteco- uh, On the day of Pentecost, before the Spirit had been poured out, they had gathered together presumably for worship. Also, the Feast of Tabernacles, or what we would also call the Feast of Booths, anticipates the first day of the week Sabbath. So listen to how God instructs us on how to keep the the Feast of Tabernacles, or booths, Um, again in Leviticus. 23 verses 33 and following and the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the people of Israel saying on the 15th day of the se- of this seventh month and for seven days is a feast feast of booths to the Lord on the first day shall be a holy convocation you shall not do any ordinary work for seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord on the eighth day which again would be the first day of the week on the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation in other words gather for Worship and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. So you can see, just in these two festivals, the Sabbath being changed from a Saturday to Sunday um, is already anticipated, it's in God's plans. And the early church knew that they were to be meeting for worship on the first day of the week. Listen to Paul's instructions. He's writing these letters out to the, to the various churches ahead of him going to collect um, these collections of benevolence. And listen to what he says. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Presumably what's happening is they are gathering for worship and that is when they are um, taking the collections as Paul instructs them on the first day of the week. There are other instances of the uh, believers in the New Testament meeting on the first day of the week. Uh, we don't have time to look at them. However, I want to mention one further passage, and that's Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Uh, the Apostle John says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And guess what he was doing? He was worshipping. So even in the days of the apostles, they have started referring to the Sabbath as the Lord's day in recognition that it belonged to Jesus Christ because of His resurrection. Why is this important? What can we learn from this? Well, to quote Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, there there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Sunday, the Lord's Day, is a day set aside for worship, for rest, and for Christian service. And so, why do we meet on Sunday? Because the Word of God tells us to. Also, when the early church met, what did we find them doing? They celebrated the Lord's Supper. On the first day of the week, again verse 7, when we were gathered together to break bread. So here they are, they are um, celebrating the Lord's Supper. They celebrated the Lord's Supper every time they worship together, every um, in every weekly worship service. And this raises the question for us, why don't we celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, every time? we gather to worship each week? That's a good question. Um, Yet, I believe our current practice of celebrating it monthly has merit and is based on biblically uh, informed wisdom. Many churches celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper either yearly or uh, quarterly. I feel that the Lord's Supper should be celebrated regularly so I feel that Uh, Once a year or even four times a year is inadequate. But if we were to celebrate it weekly, it would also pose for us a danger of profaning it by taking it for granted. Um, The Bible gives us all those warnings that I, by conscience, am bound to give you every month when we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. All those warnings about... um, don't take the Lord's Supper if you uh, are cherishing sin in your heart. Uh, help your children uh, not partake unless they've made a public profession of faith. Um, and, and I always say I don't quite understand exactly what he means by this, but our best guess is that a person must be able to discern the body and blood, understand what the communion is all about, as well as understand the gospel. But I say all those things every month before we take the Lord's Supper because the Bible says that if a person celebrates the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, then they eat and drink judgment upon himself or herself. We believe that the Lord's Supper is more than just a memorial, more than just a religious ritual. It is a special time of communion with the Lord Jesus. And Jesus uses that time to give his people more grace. The reason I say that the month, monthly seems to strike the right balance is because each month that we celebrate the Lord's Supper, at least from my perspective, it seems very special to the entire congregation. Uh, Oftentimes as I'm sitting up here or as I'm standing at the table, I'm communing with the Lord and I'm seeking His face. But I also, as I look out and see the earnestness with which you seek the face of Jesus during the the Lord's Supper, it builds my faith just to see your faith uh, at work and in action as you're seeking Christ. And uh, so I feel like we've struck that right balance. Um, In fact, um, a a lot of visitors who have visited us uh, from other denominations are always telling me that our our celebration of the Lord's Supper is so much different than what they've experienced. um, And that it is a special time. And so uh, we want to keep a little bit of that uniqueness Yet we want to have it regularly, hence monthly. Um, we even had one man that became a believer uh, during one of our communion services, and he he wrote me a letter detailing all the life changes that has taken place in his life and his family's life as a result of um, of being being here with us one Sunday when we were celebrating the Lord's Supper. Now. If we found ourselves in a time of intense suffering, I would certainly recommend that we go to a weekly observance of the Lord's Supper. The early church was enduring awful suffering, and they needed that extra grace. And so if we were to begin to be in a time of persecution, or if an economic depression suddenly gripped our country uh, like it gripped our country in the 1930s I would be very much recommending that we need to move to a weekly celebration of communion but uh, right now it seems wise to the elders, it seems wise to myself to keep that monthly um, rotation so These are two of the priorities Sunday worship, or Lord's Day worship to to use the biblical term, and uh, regular, at least, um, observance of the Lord's Supper. The last priority of the church, of the early church that we'll observe this morning, is their priority um, and should be our priority as well. That they gave to the Word of God. The early Gentile church had an extensive uh, commitment to instruction in the Word of God, and we see this here in our passage. The Apostle Paul is with the church, and he speaks to them, presumably in the er- beginning in the early evening, probably around six or seven o'clock. Um, and it says he he kept speaking until midnight, verse seven. And it was well past dark. And they had a lot of lamps in the room. These lamps were not like our candles. Uh, Rather, they were oil lamps. The oil lamps certainly made the the air kind of dull and heavy, burning hour after hour, especially as Luke uh, notes that there were many oil lamps up there. And... um, Paul continued to teach, and to teach, and to teach, hour after hour after hour. Uh, In fact, we're going to find that he ended up teaching uh, there in Troas for 12 straight hours. But about the time of midnight, there was a young man uh, named Eutychus, and he fell asleep and presumably he had crawled up into the window seal because the air was so heavy from the oil burning and um he fell asleep and he the, they were on the third story and fell fell out of the window and fell down to his uh fell down to his death but presumably he was in the window seal to get a little fresh air but being a young man uh we don't know how young fell asleep and uh Fell out the window. Um, Some church historians have said that Eudicus' last name was Garden. I've never seen any uh, evidence for that, even though he had a propensity for falling asleep and and falling from great heights. Um, But, uh, sorry, rip. It was just there. Um, The moral of this story is not that the pastor should be long-winded, I assure you. Rather, I think what we need to learn from this story, uh, from this account, is that the church does indeed need extensive instruction in the Word of God. Jesus said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let me ask you, how much instruction do you get in the Word of God? Well, you're here this morning... Um, For the sake of of argument, let me give you this hour. You get at least one hour of instruction in the Word of God. Uh, And I say one hour even though my sermons are um, really 30 minutes rather than uh, one hour. But we read the Word of God in our worship service. We sing the Word of God uh, in our worship service. The, um, The first hymn... I didn't. I did not note. I meant to, but uh, was based on our responsive reading. It was based from the uh, Psalm 119, uh, verses 89 through 92. And so we sing the Word of God. Also, uh, our prayers, we pray the Word of God. We hang on to the the promises of God as we pray. So we read, we sing, we pray the Word of God, and then you hear the Word of God proclaimed. So uh, one hour, certainly, of instruction in the Word of God. Uh, But we have other opportunities where you can be instructed in the Word of God. We have small groups where there are Bible studies uh, in the small groups. We have um, the men's breakfast, Saturday morning breakfast, where they study the Scriptures. We have Sunday school, um, where we have an hour or thereabouts of instruction in the Word of God. We have Wednesday evening where we have a little devotional. Um, We have all types of opportunities to be instructed in the Word of God. Are you taking those opportunities? More to the point, more importantly, do you feed your own soul on the Word of God? The early church had an extensive commitment to instruction from the Word of God. It's one of the things I love about having the children up here because a lot of adults tell me, I can't understand the Bible. But then they have these little the children up here uh, during the, um, the children's sermon. They understand it. At an, early, at an early age, they are able to digest it. So is it the hunger of your heart to feed upon the Word of God? Do you crave the Word of God? Finally, as I conclude... I hope you can see that our worship service and our priorities are shaped and guided by the Word of God are yours. And then my final question, why is the Word of God so important? Because the Word of God tells us about our God the word of God tells us about his greatness it tells us about his holiness and it tells us about his love for us in Jesus Christ and how a holy God sent his son Jesus into this world to pay the penalty that his holiness and his justice demands of us and to pay it in our price we as human beings as fallen human beings forget that over and over and over again and we revert to legalism we revert to trying doing trying to do things to appease god on our own and we don't have the wisdom that we need in order to thrive here in this life but god in his grace God in His compassion for us has given us His holy word that is sufficient, that tells us everything we need for life and for godliness, that tells us everything we need to know about Him. There are things written about God that we don't understand that we will never understand. God is God. We are not we are not going to be able because we are finite to understand the infinite completely. But he tells us everything we need to know in his holy word. And so I ask the question again. How do you feed upon the word of God? Do you take the opportunities presented to you? And then do you make opportunities uh, for your own personal instruction in God's Word? Let's pray together. Almighty God, your Word is true. And your Word tells us about you. Help us to truly understand what our Lord Jesus meant when He said that we do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.